Well, hello everyone. This is Coach Junker of South St. Paul Girls Basketball. As always, I'm joined by South St. Paul Boys Basketball Coach Matthew McAllister, and you are listening to the In-Season Podcast, where every week, Coach Mack and myself pull back the curtain of our programs and discuss the day-to-day, week-to-week, and long-term process of building a competitive basketball program. Thank you so much for listening, and without further ado, here is this week's episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another in-season podcast, a basketball coach's podcast. It's week four, and Coach McAllister, we've got quite the episode set up for us this week. A lot to talk about, a lot of interesting things to go over after an awesome week of both of our teams competing in a couple basketball games. And right off the bat, I know that's a little bit early, but how are you feeling? Feeling good. Um, like where our program is sitting, um, like the young men that we have in our program and, and how they've responded to the the pieces of adversity we've had and really how they've come together and um, just really, really like uh, the direction that we're going, not only with this team, but kind of as a program as a whole. How about you? I think that when you look at the, the front end of a game week, you think about how it's going to go. Sometimes it doesn't go how you want. Sometimes it's... It, it's a mix of things you're looking for that you like and things that you look at and you say, here's some adjustments we need to make for the next week. But um, if you're learning something about your team every week and you're making some adjustments to keep moving forward, I think that's that's what we took away from from our, our first full game week. Uh, and if we want to just get right into it, let's let's just recap how the how the game weeks went. Uh, we both had the same opponents. Tuesday night against Henry Sibley, Thursday night against Tartan, and just a lot to unpack. So right out of the gate, why don't you just kind of start us off Tuesday night, takeaways, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Sure. Tuesday, yes, we had Henry Sibley with the new coaching staff and um, a lot of player turnover. So we didn't have a ton of, uh, of idea what to expect. We kind of knew what the coaching staff would bring, um, but really wanted to focus on us. And put in uh, a couple more pressures that we hadn't uh, hadn't used in the past. This is the first time we were putting something new in. And they worked for a while, um, kind of like most pressures do. Uh, when, you, when you switch it up, we got up uh, double digits early and then hit a low, which has been one of our themes that we're trying to work through. And I only had a four-point lead at the half. Um, and I think that surprised some of our young men. And then we ended up coming out and winning by 20-some. We, I think we had it close to 30 at one point. Um, which was good to see them respond and not be drugged down by the, you know, the Penner Sibley was feisty and they were tough. And they, I think our players, you know, they read the, it's human nature. You read the the predictions and all of that. And Henry Sibley is supposed to be at the bottom and we're supposed to be at the top. And looking forward, as much as we were very sure not to bring up the word tartan until after the Henry Sibley game as a coaching staff, um, the kids knew. The kids knew what was coming later in the week. So it's, you know, it's one of those where you have to be, try to do everything you can to focus them, but human nature takes over a little bit. Um, and so we, the second half was very encouraging to see us kind of pull away and do what we were supposed to do, win by 20-some. Um, and then had a, had a good week, good practice on Wednesday and went into Tartan and, and were able to, to overcome that the first time in 54, or I'm sorry, 54 games since 1994 uh, beat Tartan which was a, a pretty cool thing to, to see our young men 
not play particularly well um, as as a lot of people would define that. Uh, a lot of people who watch the game, like, man, you guys left a lot of points on the table and, and did a, a lot of things that you guys don't usually do. But we're still able to beat Tartan at Tartan in overtime. So that was a, a pretty cool, pretty cool situation. And we're going to unpack that Thursday game because, like you said, like that's one of those types of wins that, as a program, now you kind of circle in your mind when you walk into the job and say, like, if we want to get to where we want to be, that this is one of the boxes that we want to check because it's one of those, well, we've talked about it. Like Tartan's one of those types of programs. And if you want to be in that echelon, not just in, in your conference, not just you know, in, in your class, but if you want to be one of those teams that people legitimize as being a state tournament quality team, like that's one of the boxes that you really want to make sure that you check. But um, on our end, it was our, our first game week period right. after our conversation last week about you know, us getting back from, from some positive tests. And for us, I think that uh, game one was one of those games that it was kind of a shock to the system and that we had one actual practice before playing. And we felt good and practice went well, but we hadn't played a game in nine months. And I think that for us, it was kind of just not what we had expected coming out of the gate. And then it was trying to make in-game adjustments that we hadn't made in a while. And we just didn't execute. If we were looking at the score, like it was 56-36, like we just couldn't get a bucket inside. I think we were surprised by their length. Yeah. Uh, we shot 33% from the outside, which is kind of right in the wheelhouse of where we want to be. But we only shot four free throws. And we shot 17% from two point. And it doesn't matter who you're playing. Like that that kind of tips the scale and not in your favor. Uh for us, we had a practice in between to get ready for Tartan. We made some adjustments and kind of just said, when we look back at the film against Sibley, all of our timing, all of our tempo that we talk about and preach was off. And you'd expect that after having nine months off and not playing a competitive basketball game. I think just getting that first game out of the way helped us. And we came out on Thursday and we ended up playing really well out of the gate. Defensively, a lot of intensity. We forced some turnovers early, got some easy buckets. And then from there, everything became a lot easier. We shot the same from three-point. The only difference was is that we forced more turnovers. We finally got to the line and got 17 attempts and finally just were aggressive enough to get some buckets inside that we kind of held back on on Tuesday's game. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but we talk about those game-to-game adjustments and what a game can tell you as far as the story going forward. But for you personally, what was the story for Thursday night's game and what, are you, what was it like for you? What was it like for your team? And then obviously the outcome that you desired was what you walked away with. But what did that win tell you about your team? Sure. You know, and I think you brought up a good point about kind of circling the programs. When you take over a program like we took over South St. Paul, you always circle the, the, the programs who were on top. And when it was similar when we had taken over Brooklyn Center, DLSL was in conference. And they were the big dog. They were winning six six straight uh, state championships, sending four guys to Division One every year. and I mean, just crazy stuff, right? And they were in conference, and we were never able to get over that hump. And we were always able, as a coaching staff, kind of the tactic we took was, hey, okay, that's a good barometer for us, but they're a 3A team. We're 2A. We want to beat them, but if we don't, great. You know, because we couldn't put too many eggs in that basket because we weren't ready to get over that hump. Um and it was all true. It didn't affect our playoffs. It didn't affect our ultimate goal of winning, going to state and doing those types of things. And Tartan's the same way. And 
I really thought that um, in this program we could get over that hump. And it, again, it doesn't affect our playoffs or our seating or, or anything like that. They're 4A, we're 3A. It's just the psychological aspect of it. And that was um, what we talked about before the game. I mean, as a coaching staff, we didn't even talk about Tartan on Wednesday. We talked about us. We talked about what we needed to do, how we uh, could win the game. And we just talked about the game. And then before the game, we talked about how we had to change our mindset. This was a mindset game, period. Because physically, we really believe that we have more talent. Um, we have to carry ourselves like that. We have to stop looking, playing the jerseys and play the players. Um, you know, and some of it may be a cliche, but it was very important for our young men to hear. And I think it, even early in the game, we got down nine. We got not into some foul trouble, but our young men stuck together. That was, to me, the theme of the night. The, the change from last year to this year was our ability to handle that adversity on the road against a team that, you know, 54 times in a row have beaten South St. <laughs> Paul, right? Like it just could have been, okay, here we go again. We're down nine. We're at Tartan. Our best three players or our, our, t- our top three leading scorers have two fouls in the first half. You know, we'll try again next time. Would have been the theory. And it would have been a... Um, when we did this, a similar situation at Tartan last year, it was almost nuclear. I mean, people were pointing fingers and bickering and, and doing all those cliche things that, that bad programs do. Um, this year was completely different. They stuck together. They were positive during timeouts. The bench stayed in the game. Coaching staff stuck together. Um, the players were asking good questions during timeouts. It was just such a, uh, a great way to um, see it kind of all coming together. Uh, probably quicker than we expected to from that standpoint. We knew from a talent standpoint it was coming together the way we wanted to, but from a winning championship culture standpoint, um, you know, even when we got down three late, uh, you know, it was one of those games where I, I think I texted you afterwards. There were four times I was sure we had lost the game, and there were five times where I was convinced we had it won. And until that last buzzer went off, neither of them was accurate because it just it was that type of game where people were making big plays on both sides. Um, we got down three and it was clearly, it was a, a breakdown defensively on one of our young men's fault. It was, it was just obvious to everybody and all of his teammates rallied around him, which would have never been the case last year. To me, those were the, the defining moments, the story coming out. We didn't play great physically, but we were able to still mentally get over that hurdle, a huge hurdle, a psychological hurdle, um, of, of something that, you know, kind of a, a program uh, the win that, that breaks a barrier for for us going forward band together and find a way right which like you said it wasn't um maybe not your, your prettiest game but when you can win games like that knowing that either you left points on the table you didn't execute exactly how you wanted defensively like that's it's got to be encouraging and uh, i'm super stoked i mean obviously checking the the box score once we got done with our game and kind of looking to see and then seeing 70 69 i was just like that's big time like that's that's what you get juiced up for as as a coach one of the things that i wanted to kind of talk about is is obviously that's a that's a big time win for you and if you're thinking about you know how things felt on tuesday night versus how things feel on on thursday night versus a win versus a loss as a coach each game has its own story to tell and gives you certain things to take on to the next game adjustments you need to make whether it's a win or whether it's a loss coming out of a game like what are you looking for to tell the story of how the game went and what do you have to do going forward are there 
are there things that you're looking for on film? Are there kind of tails of the tape as far as statistics that you're looking for to see whether you're hitting or checking boxes or is it more of a feel thing for you? Um, a lot of it is feel and it's body language. It's feel in the locker room. It's personalities. Um, it's such an emotional game, you know, and, and we love statistics and advanced statistics and metrics and all that. And we, we look at them as a staff and we have those that we chart, but it's truly the way this team especially is constructed and the way that we coach and the way that we play. When we win, there's a certain feeling of, of energy and excitement, kind of the way we play. It's not methodical. It's not slow down. It's not grinded out. We, we play a style that, that we'd like to think have, brings a, a, an element of fun to the game. And if we don't see that or feel that after the game or throughout the game, and again, it's not always going to be that way. You know, we talked about our first game against Hastings. We played about 12 minutes where it was like that. But that's enough a lot of times in basketball with it being an imperfect game where you're having fun and everything's clicking. And that carries over into the locker room. Um, and kind of the same thing with Tartan. We didn't play that that way that often, but we played it enough. And it was kind of a feel thing where we had the tempo at our, you know, it's just kind of a whole collective energy, which, uh, you know, kind of sounds new agey, but it just, that's how we judge it. it um, Mount West Tonka was different in that we let them dictate the energy of the game, right? They, they dictated the flow, the tempo, the energy. I mean, we never could get excited, never got going. And some of that is, you know, especially without crowds, you have to bring your own energy. Mm-hmm. It's hard every night for 16 to 18-year-old kids. So that's more what we look for. And then how do we figure out at the end of the game how to either make it longer and better as in the Hastings game or create it sooner and more often as in the, the Mount West Tonka game. Yeah, so that's that's really what we're looking for. And, of course, we look at free throws, assisted buckets, percentage of assisted buckets. That's one of the big ones for us. Um, and then deflections for on the defensive end. That's that's ours. Maybe we're going to have to start looking at rebounding. It's one that we've always shied <laughs> away from. But after the Tartan win, that was that seemed to be the key for us. But, again, I think that just comes from the energy. We're hitting the offensive glass and, and, and matching the physicality of Tartan and, and um, you know, matching their energy, which was which was a good thing. How about you guys? What do you guys look for after the end of the game? Well, I think for us coming out of that Henry Sibley game, I think we were all a little deflated and a little disappointed because we know what we're trying to do, what we're capable of, and we all believe in this group. And so to come out flat against a team that we liked the matchup was disappointing. But for me, and I made sure that we talked about this on Wednesday with the girls, is that the effort that we had wasn't the problem. I thought we played really hard. Um, but what for me I was looking at is, is that I didn't necessarily put us in the best positions during the game to get the success that we needed. And so for me, coming out of a loss like that, I it's immediately what do we have to do going forward and what adjustments can we make to kind of tip the scales in our favor. And I'm just never somebody that really cares or like gets too down after any type of loss it's always what's next and that's the type of mentality that I feel like I have after wins like Thursday night is there's what's next and what do we have to keep pushing forward um it's not that I don't celebrate or enjoy success like wins like wins are great but I for me it's about the players celebrating those wins Mm -hmm. and for me it's about how do I get them prepared for the next challenge and Every game for me is just a measuring stick as to where we are right now. Like no win 
is going to completely define your season. No loss is going to completely destroy it. Um, but that was what I wanted to communicate with our girls is that if we looked at what we game plan and try to take away against Henry Sibley, we knew that they were a team that lost a lot of interior production and we didn't want to give them too many looks from the outside because a lot of their girls prefer to shoot first. Well, they shot 214 from the three-point line. So we executed that piece, but then we also gave up 18 offensive rebounds and 16 uh, you know, second chance points. That is where we had that breakdown. And if you look at the score, we were down by 20. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get a bucket inside. We gave up 16 second chance points. Like sometimes it's you look at that and it's is easy to say that might have just been the breakdown. And then we go to Thursday night and a lot of those things that we wanted to correct, we did against Harden. And then going forward, it's well, how do we even play better? How do we execute better? Like, what's that next step? Um, but like you, I it's a feel thing. And the tempo between Tuesday and Thursday night made all the difference. Being in the driver's seat versus being being uh, you know, in the back <laughs> in the back seat of the car and just letting right. somebody else drive you. But looking ahead to this week, that's kind of, I think for both of us is you kind of have to set the, set the table and play your game. If you want, if you want the outcomes you're looking for. And luckily you guys have been able to navigate for, for good games and you guys have produced. And I was looking ahead to this week. You're hoping for more of the same. So one of the things that I wanted to ask before we move on is we're navigating these varsity seasons. We obviously have high aspirations for both groups, but even in a year like this, we're condensed season. Everything is elevated as far as importance, every single game, every single practice. There's also the idea of we're still the heads of our programs and how do we navigate this season for all of our levels and being a program coach means different things to different people. And I just wanted to get your perspective on, what does it mean for you to be a program coach and, and how do you navigate it and how do you kind of continue to advance your program? Obviously with the success that you have at the varsity level, but what, what's important to you program wide that you're still trying to do right now in a season like this? Uh, yeah. And that's something that we've always prided ourselves on. And, and it's one of the things is, <clears throat> excuse me, and taken away a little bit this year. Right. Um, how we practice this year, we're, you know, in the pod situation, we have three distinct teams that can't work against each other or practice against each other. One thing that we've in the past always loved doing is stretching as a whole. You know, we have varsity through our lowest team, whatever that is, C, ninth grade, stretch together. And I try to shake every player's hand while stretching, like just so I can at least have one contact with every player every day in our program. Well, that's gone this year. Shaking hands, and stretching together. <laughs> shaking all hands of in that general is not a great right? look in, in 2020, <laughs> yeah, 2021. Exactly. So, I, trying to, you know, so I, I do feel that this year that that's a piece of that is gone. And I, I think that that takes away some of the connectedness. So, I'm trying to, um, even, you know, just trying to have a conversation. And it's harder this year. You know, it, how was your school day? That conversation's gone, right? You know, when you're talking to a player on the C team who's a backup who, you know, our connection is basketball and there's not much of that this year. Our next connection would be school. Well, there's not school life. So then it's, how's your home life, which can be a tricky situation for some people for whatever reason, you know, so it's trying to find ways to connect and communicate and foster relationships that in the past had a much 
easier avenue to foster because that to me is the the big thing with those young players to let them know that they're part of our program that they're our success is part of their success so this year we just talked about having the young players kind of understand what's going on at the varsity celebrating it trying to keep them as connected as possible through social media and those types of things and make sure they're talking the same language like when we add something on varsity JV and C will add something similar, call it something similar, even if it's not quite the same, just so they feel a connectedness. Um, you know, we're doing less uh, promoting and demoting based on, you know, as as um, as a reward system for effort and those types of things, something we always try like to do in the past or having big varsity benches so that people can get the feel. Yep. Um, you know, and we would always have nights where we always like the JV and C to stay in the locker room before games, after games, just so they can feel it, right? Mm-hmm. As long as they were quiet and... and um, all those things are gone. So we're just trying to find ways and, and I'm excited to hear yours because we're still looking for, for more ways to, to keep the connection other than just trying to manufacture relationships and, and connectedness throughout the programs that this year are more than ever three distinctly different programs. Well, and it's, it's hard. And I know for you personally, and I'm the same way, we are like relationship-driven mm-hmm. coaches and that's such a huge part of building buy-in, building, you know, connectivity, like building culture. It, it starts with the relationships. I remember you bringing that up in the interview, you know, when, when you got the job, that is something that I think you've kind of built on every single stop that you've been. Obviously you have a style of play, you have how you want to execute a, a program as far as the basketball side. But I think for both of us, so much of what we do is about relationships. And this year brings about those challenges of how can you foster and maintain relationships, knowing that those opportunities that we've had in the past aren't there. And for us, and I think for a lot of coaches around the state, it's how do you think outside the traditional box that we've had and and make things work? We've, I think we've done a, a pretty decent job. And I, when we go back to November through December, um, we decided that we were going to one, have what we call like a leadership council. We asked a, a girls to apply why they wanted to be a part of kind of the decision-making and support program of our, of our teams. And so we had a, a range of freshmen to seniors that applied. We selected 10 and we said, all right, well now what we're going to do is you're going to draft players from across our program to be a part of your group. And you guys are going to talk on Snapchat. You guys are going to stay connected through, through our workouts. You guys are going to um, have virtual meetings and talk about things leading up to the season and just build relationships that we can't have right now on the floor in December. And then we can't have on the floor in January because we're just not going to be, a cha- we're not going to be around each other. Right. Um, and it allowed girls from across our program to connect in ways that they wouldn't because we're not in school, because we're not seeing each other. And it allowed seniors to talk to eighth graders, ninth graders to talk to juniors in a, in a space that it, we're all trying to support one another get through this. And it's been really fun. And we talked about like culturally, like what are we trying to instill? And we've got our core values. This Friday, what we do is throughout the week, girls can fill out a Google form nominating things that they see in their teammates that they want to acknowledge that kind of exemplify our core values. And over a week's time, we had 30 nominations. We selected five, but every single girl that got nominated got a little slip of paper from what their teammates had said about them 
so that they know that what they're doing is appreciated, is being acknowledged, and that people are noticing the things that you're doing. I think culturally, just trying to keep each other connected and build each other up has been, you know, probably one of my favorite things that we've done so far. We've got an, and we'll bring it on the shout outs, but we've got so many girls from top to bottom that care so much about one another that that has been the best part of the season so far. Obviously getting a win on Thursday was great, but just having them buy into wanting to just stay connected as much as possible and just hearing them talk about what they're talking about when they're not here, just, it just makes me feel grateful for the group that we've got. And I know that you've got upperclassmen that are leaders that are reaching out and kind of setting an example, but also supporting some of those kids that are a little bit younger and maybe a little bit, a little bit green around the gills, but it's just uh, that type of stuff is what you really enjoy seeing as a coach. Those are the the wins that you can't quantify, but keep you coming back, right? The the things that the the life skills, the how to be a good person, how to be an empathetic person, how to care about somebody. That's those are the wins. That's what we're here for. Ultimately, you know, of course, we take the other wins, right? The, the yeah. on the court wins, but um, that's awesome. I like those. And we'll, we'll probably try to incorporate a couple of those ideas. <laughs> after after this full week, Coach, reflecting on how things went and what, what you saw, every week we try and open up uh, our programs and kind of just highlight something that's going on that you appreciate and want to acknowledge. And for this past week, week three, what stood out to you and who would you like to give a shout out to? I really think, you know, and and – kind of bring him up as a, as a preface every time, but we got to talk, got to talk about Alonzo Dodd. Um, you know, just as a, as a young man who, when we got here, we heard all the rumors about him wanting to, I shouldn't say wanting to, um, about how uh, he was getting pulled in a lot of directions to go to Minnehaha, to go to Green Durham Hall, to look at other options, um, which is just kind of the culture that we live in. New mm-hmm. coaching staff, he doesn't know who's coming in. He has a lot of people in his ear. Um, and, and he, was honest about that. He was honest about, you know, his, his parents are listening to people and all of this stuff. But once he saw what we were doing, he's like, no, I want to be at South St. Paul. Um, and I want to build this and I want to be part of this. And he believed in it. And he has, he's, he's been at every workout. He doesn't miss anything. He texts me all the time. He has her extra work and it just, it's materialized. He's, he's not only a great player, but a great leader, you know, it, and then this week we have two games, conference games, two wins. He averages 25 points, 15 rebounds, seven assists. You know, I mean, he just, he does it all on the court at at 18 rebounds against Harden as a guard. Um, (laughs) I know Ryan James, the the reporter was watching the game back and he put out one tweet. He's like, they ask him to do everything. He's blocking out the big man on a free throw, pushing the ball. Um, He gets, gets him into the offense, gets the assist, sets the screen to get the, the bucket. And then he's denying his player full court man, as soon as the ball goes through the hoop, like he just does it all. He doesn't complain and he plays pretty much the whole game because he's keeps himself in great condition. He came back in great condition. He's an honor roll student. I mean, he's so kind to my kids when they come to practice. I mean, he's just, he's, he pretty much epitomizes what, what we want in our program. Well, and he, he does all that and his temperament is just so level and even keel. And you talk about a game like, 
tartan and just the the stakes and the level that that's at but i mean he's just so solid as far as his his demeanor and from play to play he's just somebody that as a as a coach like it's it it sticks out instantly but as a player i wouldn't want to play him just because it's like nothing seems to get to him and he's just on to that next task and you talked about 18 rebounds and and just the amount of sheer like will that that young man has phenomenal yeah when we talk to college coaches one of the things that they talk about because when you watch him play it's never oh he's an amazing athlete right it just that doesn't stick out to you but he is at his own at his own tempo at his own pace you can never speed him up he's going to dictate how fast he's going to go and how fast you're going to go and then all of a sudden he's by you and then you know he just he's so long and he understands angles so well that um, what he doesn't maybe have in some of the sheer run and jump athleticism, he more than makes up for it by just understanding the game and playing it at his pace and his tempo and understanding when that should be fast and slow. And, and that goes to his temperament. You're never going to speed him up temperamentally either. You're never going to get him excited or get him out of his out of his body. And, and it's just it's pretty exciting to so smooth to be yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. and I, it, and I don't want to say any more, just in case he listens. I don't want to. Don't want to. Uh, don't inflate that right? balloon too much. But and actually, with him, he's one of them that we don't worry about. He just, he, it all just comes in stride, and he smiles and goes and improves on it. Yeah. Uh, to flip the the spectrum, this week I wanted to acknowledge somebody in our lower levels, an eighth grader that in with this circumstances. Didn't do like didn't have an opportunity to do traveling. No middle school basketball. We decided to invite some eighth graders to to hop in and kind of fill out numbers for our C, you know for our C team. And one of them is a girl that I actually have in class. Uh, her name's Brooke Viner, a little kind of scrappy guard. And through these first couple of weeks, even from when we brought that group in, that group just loves to compete and they're so energetic, so enthusiastic. But her specifically, now when we're talking to our program about mindful engagement constant effort respect and joy this young lady has it in bunches and it's so fun to see just that raw enthusiasm and joy for being a part of something that it gives me energy every day because she just has it you know floor to ceiling but yeah they had their first game against Hastings it didn't go as well as she had hoped and the first thing she did after the game was text those upperclassmen that she is talking to about like what can I do better? And first thing that I got as far as a text before I even got home from watching the game was, when's the film going to be uploaded? Oh. And over the over the two weeks, there's only two people that have watched more film than her in our whole program. One of them is me and one of them is our senior captain. And just her hunger to get better is really inspiring for her teammates, for her upperclassmen, and just for our program to just know that she wants to get better and is so hungry to continue to improve. And, you know, she just is great getting feedback. And as an eighth grader, it's just, it makes me excited that we've got girls like that coming through our program that are just hungry to continue to improve and want to be better. And she's a phenomenal teammate, big cheerleader. And whenever she's not on the floor and just, she's a very funny individual and I appreciate her a ton. And uh, it's been great to see her just keep chipping away over the last couple of weeks and, that C squad that we have is is a is a joy to watch. I work the table on uh, on Thursday night just because it's it's great entertainment for me. What else am I going to do during a right. pandemic? At this point, the film that we've watched is it ain't going to change. At that point, I might as well 
get a chance to see these girls in action. So it was a blast. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it just sounds like a great program uh, person, right? Just to have that youthful energy plus a hunger to, to win. And, and, you know, sometimes with young kids, the youthful energy can kind of get silly and distracting. It's there, but it's it not, but it sounds like for her, it's, it's focused in the right direction. That's pretty awesome. She can certainly be silly at times, but <laughs> she is still 13 years old. Right, but, exactly. But yeah, so it's, it's been fun. Well, coach, why don't we take a quick break? And then uh, when we come back, we'll talk about our upcoming weeks and a few other items as far as things we're looking forward to uh, on the road ahead. Perfect. All right, coach, moving on to week four. We've got two more opponents in front of us. We've got a couple games on the slate. A couple other questions that I wanted to kind of just throw out, throw on the wall at you and uh, kind of hear your take on a few things. But right off the bat, um, what does this week look like for you and how are you approaching it? It's kind of, uh, I always talk to our players about getting into the rhythm of the season. And usually that means once you get into conference, it's Tuesday, Friday, and you, and you start to set up a, a rhythm, a natural order of things. And that's what it feels like we're finally getting to. And hopefully, you know, I know it won't last long in this pandemic season. Something will throw it off, but um, kind of get into a rhythm where Monday is get back to the week, get the weekend out of us, you know, do a lot of do a, a lot of full court stuff and then game prep Tuesday game. Wednesday uh, has typically been film, weights, shots. Um, Thursday game prep, Friday game. And mm. that kind of becomes the rhythm of the season. And I think the players like that and that they know kind of what to expect. And, and there's, you know, and even this year more than any other kind of gives them a, a, a piece in a sense that, okay, we know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen a lot in the, in the world out there, but mm -hmm. with practice and the season, we know what this is going to look like and it kind of develops a rhythm and a feel to it. So that's kind of what we're going to try to develop this week is, is that order and that rhythm, you know, ending a week with a Friday practice with no game was, it just felt weird last yes. week, you know, it just kind of hangs out there. So we took a different approach with that and just went with as physical practices as we had with no mental stuff at all. Just, we just went as hard as we could. And, and I loved it because the kids came from a Thursday, huge victory and they competed hard on Friday and it was just a great way to end the week, but it just, it felt weird. You just kind of leave it's the, different. the week hanging that way. So we're hoping this week gets back into that rhythm. That's kind of the, the general overview of, of how we want the week to go. So we'll see if, if everything will comply. How about for you guys? For us, it's an interesting week because even though they're in a virtual space as far as class, both of our teams, both mm -hmm. of our student athletes don't have class Thursday and Friday. So kind of knowing that and kind of prepping, we've got a big game on Tuesday. We're playing Bloomington Jefferson, which is for us a team that we've never faced. And it's just going to be a little bit different feel. We're going over there. And so tomorrow's practice is, and I told the girls yesterday, it has to be our tone setter for the rest of the week. And whatever we come out with as far as energy tomorrow in practice has to translate to that game on Tuesday. And then from there, kind of like you, Wednesday's kind of an active recovery day, weights, shots, look at some film, and just reset your your mental and physical you know, 
space to be ready to prep for that opponent on Thursday. And that routine that you're talking about, that flow is kind of where we are right now and where we need to get to. And we've got kind of the tricky thing that we have a Friday game, but we also have a Monday game. And then it's how do you, as you talked about last week, how do you not overlook opponents, but how can you also prepare at the same time and kind of navigating those waters as to finding that balance? Um, and I think for our girls, the hope would be is that we kind of figured out and found who we were on Thursday. And now it's just continuing to step forward and to maximize each of those elements that we had been preaching from the previous week. And we've got a couple tests to find out if we can do that. And if we do, it's going to set us up for, you know, hopefully some good things down the road. But for me, I wanted to kind of see for you after four games, you kind of talked about finding that flow and getting into the rhythm and hopefully after those four games, you really are starting to figure out who you are. What have you learned about your team so far? Either that was maybe as a surprise or maybe as now what defines you in a, in a way that maybe you didn't know before these four contests that you've had so far. You know, the, we knew we had a chance to be pretty good. Um, and, we just didn't know how it was all going to mesh. And especially when you bring in two of our new starters, um, two of our more talented guys, we knew, again, there was going to be some growing pains, but we had a chance to be really good. Um, we lost two talented young men from last year's team. We brought two new ones in. So there's kind of some sliding pieces. The way that the first four games have went makes me more encouraged from a non-basketball talent standpoint than I thought I was going to be. Um, we thought we'd have to do more coaching of effort and teamwork and, and, and fostering those relationships than we've had to do. And I think a lot of that is a testament to Marquise and, and Alonzo taking the new guys in. And the new guys having a, a humble attitude of, okay, we're, we're pretty talented individually. Let's fit into this team. Um, and so that gives me encouragement that, you know, we're not only physically talented, similar to last year in, in that regard, but much more uh, team, much more connected, much more together. Um, you know, the stories that they're telling me about their group chats and the fun they're having, and they, they organized a trip to Applebee's after the win the other night. Those things didn't happen last year. That's gives me, it really makes me know that we're doing the right things and that we have a chance to be pretty good. And that when we do hit the adversity, like we have in small patches, but nothing big yet, that we're going to be able to weather it um, because of our leadership, because of our connectedness. Um, so that's kind of, I guess, to me, the take home after the, the first four games and, and the first four, four weeks we've had together. Dang. Well, um, that's what you hope for as a coach. And it's one of those things that you can't coach in some ways. It has to be genuine. It has to be authentic and it has to happen from within. And I think a lot of times we look at the variables as coaches that we, we have control over that we want to maximize and we want to do our best. And some of those things you kind of just have to let happen organically. And for you to have a couple new, a new faces and a couple new players fit in relatively seamlessly on the basketball floor, but personality wise, mm -hmm. that's got to make you feel excited that that's one less thing that you have to concern yourself over 
on on the flip side, what right now are your priorities? Maybe not necessarily concerns, but what are your points of emphasis this week and moving forward that you feel like if we're going to continue to take steps, here's what we got to do. Sure. Um, one of the big things we talked about at the coaching staff is to continue to foster competition. You know, after four games and four weeks, it's pretty clear players are who that what their roles are. They're pretty defined. They're pretty. There's a there's a pecking order. Things have you know they always say water finds its level, right? It's it's kind of where we're at. <laughs> and so I don't want people. Uh, our job is to create competition within those. You know, if you're the eighth man, don't be content being the eighth man or just because you're the eighth man doesn't mean you can't challenge our first, second, and third guys in practice every single day, right? Don't get content with that. Don't be content being the top guy. And I, with this team, um, maybe less than a lot of other teams, I don't worry about it as much, but I still wanted to create foster uh, competitive practices so that we can go out there. That was one of the big things. We had a really physical, competitive, um, borderline chippy practice on Wednesday, which allowed us to be prepared for Thursday. You know, if people were just accepting their roles, uh, that wouldn't have happened. And so that that's what we have to continue to, to work through. You know, just kind of that human nature of, okay, well, there's four games in and those guys are clearly getting the playing time and I'm down here. My role is to support them. It is your, that is your role, but your role is also to push them and try to push yourself and, and better yourself and go see if you can take somebody's spot too and do that in practice. So that'll be the, the big thing for us, kind of the theme throughout the week. Don't get complacent with where we're at. You bring up a great topic that everywhere that I've been, every team that I've been a part of, that dynamic as far as internal competition is one that can push a team forward if you have a healthy competitive culture in your practices. And it can also divide or destroy a team if it's unhealthy, if it's maybe internally driven, or maybe it's a selfish pursuit and finding that balance and having those conversations with players is one that can be touchy at times depending on each kid and the dynamic of a team and I know for us this year we knew that we had to have at least 10 girls that would compete on a daily basis and for girls if you roll a ball out and you kind of just let them play that fiery competition that chippiness that you talked about isn't always natural whereas guys i feel like it's they can't help themselves right they, they would do it if it testosterone was testosterone yes over. it just can't help it. Yeah. it it's a switch that never turns off when you're a teenage boy and so for us it was how can we how can we produce that competition and i'm not sure if you know who anson dornson is mm-hmm. from unc soccer girl soccer but he developed the competitive cauldron and it's just it's a system for tracking competition within your practices and it's something that we've adopted at all of our levels and all it is saying is that if you're competing in anything in practice, we're tracking it and we're, we're quantifying it, not because that is necessarily going to completely dictate playing time, but we want more opportunities to understand who is willing to compete every day. And if you aren't going to compete, like you're going to be farther down the list. And when it comes to who's getting these minutes that we have flexible in our, in our games here to there, like who's earned it? Like, right. And that whole earning it, mentality is something that goes right side side with competition the thing that i wanted to ask you is is you talked about having roles kind of defined at this point part part of those roles are defined by the actions of you as the coach throughout a game but verbally or you know how are you kind of communicating those roles to to players 
not just this season, but just in general, what's your philosophy in having those conversations? Um, we try to let a lot of it kind of bear itself out. We want everybody to be confident. We want them to, to, to try to even expand their role to, to maybe get out of, out of their comfort zone a little bit. So we try not to put them in boxes. I've been, you know, I've, I've had some assistants say, man, you got to tell him he cannot shoot that shot or he can't do this. Or I said, I'm never, ever going to tell him that. I'm going to suggest to him that that's probably not the best idea. But I also never want to, and I just had this conversation with our guys the other day. I've never taken anybody out for a bad shot this year. There have been some bad shots, right? I'm not saying that they're taking great shots. I never want them looking over their shoulder, right? If, you know, if if they're going to go for a rebound or or try something defensively, try it. Try it as hard as you can. We'll talk about it in film. And and some of those, I I try to have more individual conversations of, because I don't want, if somebody does get out of their role a little bit, I don't want the other four teammates looking and saying, don't do that. Coaches don't do that. Like play confident, play fast, play hard. Um, and I think a lot of it takes care of itself uh, just through film, through, you know, kind of subtle, almost praise more than anything. We, we have a young man right now, Keon, who is an amazing passer. He rebounds, he defends. As soon as he starts dribbling too much, he's, he, he turns it over. And so we praise him every time. You know, it's not like Pavlov's dogs, but it's one of those things where it's positive reinforcement. It, exactly. It, and it, it trains behaviors. <laughs> it does. It trains it so much better than the yelling and the screaming at the, the negative. And then we, you know, and then we talk to him about, you know, it happened one time in Tartan. It's like, that's what we were talking about. He's like, yeah, I got to move the ball. And then he knew like that was his role. Um, so it's, it, it is tricky. It kind of goes to you, you had mentioned it. It's, it's, it can be a double-edged sword because you want people, you know, coaches always say, well, you got to, you got to know your role. You got to accept your role. But then they want competition and they, you know, there's, there can be some mixed messaging in there. And then how do you foster that? It has to be a way to, we want you to, to expand and, and improve on your role, especially in the off season, but that's not the conversation for right now. Right. right. And if you want to become a better shooter, you have to do it in the off season. How do you do it? Have to do it in practice. Show us you can do it in practice. Then you can, but then come game day, you have to accept that role. So those all have to be conversations kind of on a l- larger scale. If you want a bigger role, go and show us every day. You're not going to be able to show us in the game because you haven't earned the right to show us. Um, you know, when people talk, you know, this this summer, it was fascinating to me on Twitter. Everybody was watching The Last Dance. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I would love to coach Michael Jordan. I would love to coach somebody that competitive. I don't know that you would because there's a lot of other issues that come up with teammates and, and you know, and you have to match his intensity or he's not going to respect you. You know, yeah. there's, so there's so many other dynamics to that, um, that that go into it that that are unseen that, you know, and we're still trying to perfect our way of doing it, but it's not, we don't define roles we kind of let the we trust our players enough to understand the game and understand who they are and even if they're not going to say yeah i'm not as good of a driver as alonzo i'm not as good of a shooter as sean they know right and we try to give them the freedom to expand themselves and to to feel themselves and and to to gain confidence but um usually it it shakes out and and typically on our better teams it shakes out better than than others (laughs) well you said two things that philosophically I think for both of us are important is you want your players to play free and you want them to be confident and for for us it's the same way and I think the whole point is is that you don't want your player hesitating on a play because they've heard that voice in their head say you can't do this or you shouldn't do this you want them to go out and make the play and have confidence that they can do it and naturally a lot of those things take care of itself and I think that the whole point of not being satisfied 
in the sense that you need to channel that desire into improvement and not channel that desire in resentment or channel that as far as envy of the people that are in front of you. But just know that you're, you're where you are right now because that's where you are in comparison to your peers. And in order to get more, you have to improve and find ways to challenge those people that are in front of you. And if you do do that, everybody wins. Would I rather have a 10-person rotation than a 7-person rotation? Absolutely. And if we can get to that point, it gives us a huge advantage over the teams that we play. But in order to do that, we can't just say, hey, here's 20 minutes and just go out there and do whatever. Uh, You have to show us day in and day out that you can bring it and you can not only do it in practice, but can you translate it in the 10 minutes that you get right now and continue to build that into maybe 20 minutes in, in a couple of weeks. But it's one of those things that it has to be shown day in and day out and that consistency. And for some players, they just don't have it. Like they don't have that consistency and they wonder why, like, why am I not getting those looks when I just scored eight buckets in a row during a five on five segment right. in, in playoff, you know, in a, in a, in a segment during practice. But then that next day, you know, they check out or maybe they just aren't, aren't bringing it. And I know that as competitive as, as your team is and how good you want to be, like there's a standard that has to be met and it's figuring out how can I raise my level of play to that standard. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think you hit it. It's, it's, it's the consistency, right. As coaches, what am I getting at when I put this player on the court? You know, the only way you can do that is day in, day out, day in, day out, and, and show your averages. You know, I mean, how many, how many times uh, I'm sure you've heard it, like, Coach, you just got to give me an opportunity. Give me a chance. You don't, let me show you what I can do. It's every day in practice. That's where you show me what you can do. Don't wait till the game to show me. Because I've seen every day. It's, it's like in life. It, it, if my kid gets, it, we practice spelling every day right? His first spelling test. Well, if he gets two words wrong every day, we're going to keep practicing those words because or else he's going to get it right. Don't just tell me that you're going to show me on the test. You got to get them right during practice. It's the same type of concept. It's a, that's a part of the journey of any season, right? And, and kind of working on that piece and you're hoping that you're building each individual player so that by the time that you get to the end of the season, when the lights are bright, every member of your team is ready to fulfill their role, whatever that looks like at the time. And I had conversations with a few girls yesterday and, you know, some of them were, for example, we've got senior, senior forward, Emma Ebert, who, you know, got good time on JV last year, has continued to grow and develop. And her role this year is to fill the shoes of a girl who was an all conference center who is playing college basketball at whitewater and she's a five nine Hmm. wing right that i told her every single game i'm going to ask you to do something that's at the limit of your ability and some nights it's not going to be pretty and it's not going to always go well first two games she was in foul trouble because she was guarding girls that are physically just overmatched for but i told her that that role is so important to helping the rest of our team be able to operate and do what they need to to help us win and so many nights like it's going to feel like it's an uphill climb for you every single night but if you can do that and you can take the pressure off defensively of our teammates Mm -hmm. like that's how your value really helps us become better 
And she's like, okay. Like, she's like, I get it. And she's ready for that. And it's, you need people like that in order to reach the heights that you want to. You just can't have three guys, you know, for you that if you just had those three show their A game and you had a net zero from the other, other four or five guys that are in your rotation, you're not going to win a section championship. You're not making it to state. You need those role players and to have those conversations, to inspire them, to appreciate their role and understand its value is something that I feel like as coaches is part of the salesperson job of, of what we do is how can you get them to not only understand their role, but how to like embody it and understand how important it is, even though it's, it's not going to be pretty, you might be, you know, getting your, your butt kicked for, for 30 minutes tonight. But if you can manage that and you can help us with that specific task, we've got a chance. hundred percent. And it goes back to one of our first conversations where it's not a drill for that, right? They don't (laughs) teach you how to have those conversations and you can explain it from a basketball perspective, but to make somebody feel it and own it and own that role is okay. You're just going to guard the best player on the other team. That's going to suck. You're going to run through screens. You're going to get in foul trouble. All eyes are going to be on you. He's probably still going to score 20 because he averages 27, but that's a win. That minus seven right there is a win for you. And you got to own that. you got to feel it. And it's got to be you. You can explain it from a basketball perspective, but can you make them see the bigger picture, that they're in something bigger than themselves? And that's where basketball is not about basketball. That's the secret to it all, right? You know, we, when, when talent is even and everything else is even, it's those teams, the teams that get their players to accept their role on game day, buy into it, own it, and work for something bigger than their own self, the collective, it's uh, it's a pretty special thing. It is a special thing. As we wrap up our podcast for this week, Coach, wishing you the best of luck on your respective games, hoping that by the time we talk again uh, next weekend that uh, we've got some more stories to share and some more things to celebrate. But anything that you wanted to kind of just share as far as takeaways or, or things that you want to want to voice before we wrap up today no I, I really appreciate it it's uh it's good to be sitting here after a couple of victories for for both of our programs um and and look forward to to yours and, and kind of this week i'll be interested next week to, to talk to you about how the adjustments have went from week one to week two and how they bore out and and some of uh, the the things you saw and how the, the the girls reacted so especially playing jefferson and um, north it'll be interesting to see how you guys do and, and handle some of the, the different challenges you guys have well hopefully i've got good things to report <laughs> uh to those that are listening again we appreciate the support we appreciate you listening love to interact continue to reach out to us on uh, twitter uh, twitter social media and the like uh, we appreciate y'all and thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next week thanks everybody take care Well, that about wraps it up for this week. But if you've enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to subscribe and follow SSP Boys and Girls Basketball programs all season long and find me and Coach McAllister on Twitter at SSPCoachJunker and at CoachMMac. Thank you so much for listening and thanks to everyone that is a part of our SSP Hoops family and community for making our seasons possible. Until next time, this is Coach McAllister and Coach Junker, and we'll catch you next week. Go Packers!